Emerging from the Dark is a 501c3 organization. As such, we depend on our listener support. To make a tax-deductible donation, please visit www.emergingfromthedark.com donation. Hello, everyone. You are listening to Emerging from the Dark. My name is Deanna, and I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, domestic abuse, and human trafficking. Today, we are joined by Kat. Kat is a blogger and self-described sociology geek. Kat is also a survivor of sexual assault and rape. You can learn more about Kat and her story at www.scatteredcat.com. Okay, um, I am with Kat. She's 24 years old, and she says she is a sociology geek. And I wanted to ask you on um, what you sent me, or it was on your website, I think. You said that you, if you were reincarnated, you would want to come back as a whale. Oh my gosh, this is already my favorite interview ever. <laughs> <laughs> that caught totally. me. Totally. Like, a whale? Why a whale? They are just such gentle giants. Their presence is so calm and beautiful and respectful. And yet they're just like so unapologetically huge. Like they take up some serious space in the most beautiful ways. So it's like, if I could reincarnate as one of those bad boys, wow, my <laughs> life is set. <laughs> That is awesome. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of things, but I never heard a whale. So that really stuck in my head when I was looking at your website. So that was great. Um, and the, on top of that, I was looking and um, so you're a blogger and you started mm -hmm. scatteredcat.com and it's a mm -hmm. website dedicated to inspire positive change in the world. Tell me a little bit about that. How are you wanting to inspire change in the world? So a lot of what I talk about and try to share with others is starting that change within yourself. Um, and it can be at the same, I guess sometimes like people are changing within, within themselves while bringing change to the world, just depends on what circumstances you find yourself in. But I was brought to a life situation that I had no control over and that's being a survivor of sexual violence. and. I was forced to change. Like it shattered like every aspect of my being. It felt like I needed to reconstruct myself completely. And to it was very it has been very healing for me to do that while writing and sharing it and connecting with other survivors through the things that I write. It just feels like I have the way that I've brought the change within myself and also showed up in the world while showing those vulnerable parts like that is inspiring to myself and I find that it, like that's what other people resonate with too and so I don't know I hope that answered your question <laughs> it's great no I, I I love it I think that that in order to affect change anywhere you have to start with yourself first and unfortunately when we're survivors of a sexual assault or any kind of abuse um, we're forced to make that change because it does yeah. change our entire being. Um, anything and everything that we were or could have been 
changes mm -hmm. in that moment. Um, so absolutely, I love that you have taken that and you're turning it into a positive. When you share your story, um, when you shared your story with your family, did you did you share it with your family and how did they react? Oof, that was tough. Um, so I'll just kind of preface this by saying that I had two sexual assaults while I was studying abroad in Argentina when I was 22 or 21, sorry, and then um another sexual assault and a rape in um uh, when i was 22 and these like happened less in less than a year time wow. span um and so the first set of assaults both of them were like two in one night um but the first set like when i shared that with my family i well, it took me a, a couple of months because I didn't want to share with them that that had happened to me abroad because I was like, oh my God, they're going to tell me to come home, that I need mm -hmm. to stop. And it was like my last semester of college. And also, I don't know how to say that. It felt like, as a young adult, it felt like the ultimate failure to have gone abroad and not have been able to protect myself. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I didn't want my already very protective parents to know that and try to like reel me in and not let or not support my dreams of someday like traveling the world sure. um, and exploring so i ended up telling them um just very briefly like no details about a month before i came back and they reacted in the way that i i thought that they would <laughs> um sure. which was, you need to come back right now Right. Um, but truthfully, like I, I shoved those assaults into the back of my mind. I was like, I need to bury this because I can't continue to, or like I can't finish school or I can't take advantage of what beautiful opportunities I have here to travel and experience life with mm -hmm. acknowledging these traumas right now. And so, and that's, that was a habit I had always had in like adolescence and stuff. It's like, you got a problem, shove it somewhere. Like we don't, we're not going to look at it. Just ignore it. Ignore yeah. it and it'll go away. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. But it was, I would say the turning point or for me when it was like, okay, no, it's time to like really address this stuff and heal. And I need my family was when the next assault and rape happened. It was here in my home state in Minnesota. And um, yeah, I, after that, um, I knew there was no way that I was going to get through that on my own. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the first person I told was my, I'm trying to remember now, it's been a while since I, I looked back and looked at the actual series of events. I think it was my sister who mm -hmm. I knew would in turn like go tell my mom so I didn't have to. So you didn't have to, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then my mom called me, and that kind of started the series of unfortunate things that, um, or unfortunate reactions that I received to sharing the news. Um, I got a lot of, from friends and family members, it, it was, uh, what were you doing? Why does that happen? I got, why do these things keep happening to you? What are you doing that is inviting this? And very very blameful mm -hmm. um, responses, even though they were just coming from a place of like panic, like, oh my gosh, like how can we, 
I don't know how to deal with this information. This is so overwhelming. Right. Um, but there's still some of those things that sit very, very heavy with me, like certain phrasing of words that will like throw me back into that of feeling sure. just shame. But I've, I've had to work through those things with the people who said them. And thankfully, it's been just a source of more growth and coming closer with my family. That is really brave because I held my stories in because um, I told my mom about my abuse. Mine was in child, part of mine was in childhood. And I told my mom when I was 15 about some of my childhood abuse that had happened. Um, and she believed part of it and didn't believe part of it. And even though I've tried to talk to her about things that she said and done, it doesn't go anywhere. Like it's just not yeah. going to happen for me. So I love that you were able to talk to your family and really talk it out, it seems. Yeah. And maybe this will resonate with you in your experience, or maybe not, but did you ever find that, or I found that when I told some people, it's like they didn't have the capacity or really did not want to believe that something so awful could happen to someone that they love. Right. I mean, it's a very overwhelming thing, like a reality to accept even as a survivor, let alone someone who loves you dearly. It's like, what, what does your life look like to, like for my mom or my dad to accept that their daughter was um, victimized multiple times? Mm -hmm. and That's a very scary that, reality. Yeah, and I think that part of that is that um, the world in general has always taught us to blame the victim first like what were you wearing what were you doing why were you out by yourself you know oh, anything exactly you know and and so our parents grew up in all of that um and luckily my kids didn't grow up in all that so they are very vocal um but i think that when you grow up with in that culture of victim blaming it's hard to get out of it even when it's somebody you love because they've been almost brainwashed to believe that we did something to cause someone mm -hmm. to look at us and go, oh, I'm just going to take what I want from you, and, and it's your fault. Yeah. I mean, I don't get that, but that's what it seemed to be, especially, you know, before the Me Too um, happened. That totally makes sense. And even for myself, like, I tried to find a million different ways to believe that it was my fault. Mm -hmm. Because if it was my fault, like, I could own up to it and, like, move on with my life. But right. that wasn't the case. But I found myself going through all of those questions that at the point, or at that time, like, no one even asked me. I was like, was it because of what I wore? What did mm -hmm. I do? What did I, what did I do to invite that? Like, where did I go wrong? Yeah, I think but, in one of my journals when I was in counseling, I wrote, do I have like a big sign over my head that says abuse me because it happened, you know, multiple times? It's like, do I have like a blinking sign that I can't see? Everybody else can see it, but I can't. I mean, how do they, how do so many of us wind up being victimized multiple times? Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, it. And so it drives us crazy trying to figure out what it is about us. And it's really not about us. We're just happen to be the unfortunate ones that they chose. Exactly. So, yeah. so I totally get that. And that's, that's tough. And, and it took me, 
I'm glad that you seem to have gotten um, gotten help and support early. Like you didn't wait yeah. 47 years to say anything. <laughs> That's something that I hear as I talk with other survivors too. And and I, the amount of strength and mental effort that takes to put that away for that long, like. I, I can't comprehend that because it was bursting out the seams for me. Like, even if I had like one drink, it was like pouring out my eyeballs or yeah. like jumping on the street or like any little noise or anything like really mm -hmm. set me off. So it's like, I'm thankful that I did make the decision to like pursue healing and had the support because I realized that I'm not, not everyone has that like i'm very lucky that i have a very solid group of friends and family that were there for me like no matter what through the whole thing but not everyone has that and so no no it is so i'm i'm i see you and i see a lot of strength in you and and i appreciate that i appreciate that you were able to come out so quickly and talk about because it's not easy for me to talk about even you know 47 years later it's not easy for me to yeah. talk about so i i admire the strength that you are showing by coming out so quickly and talking about your what, what happened so absolutely you. give your give the yourself a big hug too <laughs> <laughs> i've learned to do that a lot sometimes it's like, oh yeah even you if you have all yourself. the support in the world it's like oh just hang in there. Exactly. Um, Are you a survivor who is ready to announce to the world that you have survived abuse? Maybe you're an ally of a survivor and want to share your support. Visit shop.spreadshirt.com and then search Emerging from the Dark to look at all of the great choices that you have to show your support or your strength. And so one of the other things that I saw on your website was that you talk about um, justice for those who were let down by the justice system mm -hmm. and you know how we need to reframe what justice looks like to us. So mm -hmm. can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and this is kind of like a beast of a topic to try to come across because don't worry so... about the clock <laughs> <laughs> um i will say that the assaults that happened abroad um right away i knew that um there was not a place for me to receive like justice there mm -hmm. um in it's kind of i mean it is ingrained in culture here in the u.s but there it was even more so like that um it was and it was there's just you could sense that there wasn't going to be space for you to be heard um and at that point i didn't want to anyways i just wanted it to go away right. but um when it happened in minnesota it was like okay i feel like i have um like support or like the resources i need to find justice mm -hmm. um and I completely trusted in the process. I mean, I hadn't really dived into uh, what the world of survivors looked like for um, sexual violence or those who had been victimized. I knew that it wasn't good, but I didn't expect that I wouldn't be one of them to receive the justice. 
that I deserved because I felt like I did everything according to like the rules. Like I, I went the very next day or not the very next day. I went a few days, two days later to the hospital. I had the rape kit done. I called and um, filed a report with the police. I was compliant and remembered all the details because I, I knew that I would have to recall them. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, I could describe these people to a T. Um, I knew where they lived. I knew a town. I knew what, I gave them everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that, okay, now I can just kind of be like hands off. Like they're going to do their thing. Like these people are going to go to jail. Right. And, oh, was I, did the truth like really just slap me in the face. Yeah. constantly and it took me a long time to even accept the fact that I now even that I still did not get the justice that I deserved because um the the one got a lawyer right away the sure. two men were were friends one was visiting from Colombia and one was a permanent resident here and um the one got a lawyer right away and the other one fled the country mm-hmm. and um, it was really frustrating because like the guy who got a lawyer, like he wouldn't give up any information about where his friend was. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, so no one was ever even brought in for questioning. Um, it was just my statement alone and my rape kit. And as far as I know, that rape kit never even got processed. Um, and I had received the prosecutor's letter saying we don't have enough evidence to make a determination on this case. And I was just like, what do you mean? (laughs) Like, like, no. And that's just how the justice system is set up. Like there's so many roadblocks for us to achieve justice. It blew my mind that they didn't have to even process the rape kit to make a determination based on insufficient evidence. Like that still blows me away in itself. And it also blows me away that they couldn't find the guy who fled. Um, And like, that's something that I have to live with every day is not knowing where the heck that dude is. Like, yeah. And it used to be very terrifying to me, but now I'm kind of like, you better be hiding. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) <laughs> for you I know so, there's a huge backlog on rape kits and and they don't seem to care you know mm-hmm. uh, there's so many rapes out there that are just sitting on a shelf waiting to be yeah. processed and and it's like they have money for war and they have money for Viagra but they don't have money for rape kits <laughs> so true and it's just it's still like mind-boggling to me I'm like oh my gosh, myself included, like, I feel bad sometimes, I've thrown many a a pity parties, but I feel bad for myself and for all of the other victims. I mean, it's another, it's like a mini trauma to have to go and get a rape kit done. I mean, that's a very vulnerable thing after to have already been, like, traumatized. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, um, it was hard, it was difficult. If you think about it, we hate going to the gynecologist anyway, and that's mm-hmm. a normal exam that you feel, you know, if, if you've been assaulted, it's even worse. Um, but if you are going through a rape, that's so, it, how long, did it take you like an hour or two to get through the whole rape kit? Um, part of me feels like it went kind of fast, but it 
memory's a little bit foggy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would say it at least took half an hour though. Yeah, I know it takes a while for them to, to get everything that they need, mm -hmm. um, which is just horrible, uh, you know, because they don't, unless you get a good nurse and a yeah. good police officer, they, they lose their bedside manner sometimes. And I hate to say that because yeah. they have a rough job too, but I think sometimes they forget um, that they're dealing with a victim. Yeah, thankfully my nurse was very sensitive. Um, I lucked out on that too. And then I realized that a lot of people weren't as lucky as I was as I started to find more stories from survivors. And, sure. you know, that's just another way that my heart broke for <laughs> myself in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think that when you're a victim of any crime, it really opens your eyes to other things in the world that maybe you knew about in the fringe, but it never affected you. So you really didn't get it. Um, so true. And, but yeah, it's, it's definitely devastating and life-changing for sure. Definitely. So, so they decided not to prosecute. Mm -hmm. And, but, so we don't even know the status of your rape kit. Like, are they even no, no. going to process it at some point in time? You yeah. Know? I, I, I don't know. And, um, that's something that I'm, I might choose to reach out about, mm -hmm. but I might not because I feel like I am reaching a point of acceptance that I'm not going to get the justice that I deserve. And for my own sake, I chose to move forward and seek out justice in my own ways. And so how are you um, I should add, I should add before I jump into that is that sure. I did try to pursue a civil suit against the man that was still here. Mm -hmm. um, but another thing that I ran into is, I don't know what they call it exactly, but I had a um, attorney or a lawyer um, do a, a wealth check um, because they, if you're going to go ahead and do a civil suit, they want to make sure that they're able to collect money for damages. Sure. And, and he so didn't that was nothing. And that tore me down all over again because it's like when they when I found out that I wasn't going to get justice the the normal way I was like at least I have this other option mm -hmm. it's not the justice that I want I'd rather see them in jail but at least mm -hmm. I have this and then to not even be able to have that because I wasn't lucky enough to have someone assault me that had money right oh my gosh that was that's crazy that was another part of it mm-hmm so how are you reframing your your justice then? Um, it started with the blog, and I kind of quoted as um, justice is found in the truth that we speak. And so that was my first start at um, pursuing what justice means to me. And it was like, they might not have found or I might not have found justice and they might not have to meet it in the traditional sense, but mm -hmm. there's nothing that anyone can do to silence me. Right. Um, and I'm going to keep talking because until <laughs> this isn't a, a problem anymore, which I don't know that I'll see in my lifetime, but I need for myself, I needed an outlet mm -hmm. and it also 
became part of my mission to inspire positive change in the world. And hopefully when other girls and survivors in general listen to my story and how I've overcome some of these horrible things that they're like, you know what, there's space for my voice too. There's space for my story. There's space for my healing. Like I deserve a beautiful life regardless of the awful people in the world. That's right. So it started, um, in that way, but now I, I've realized that it's kind of a ever-expanding sense of justice. Like every day that I, I get up and I've survived another day, like that's a form of justice. Every day that like I am so like proud and like stepping into my power, like that's justice. Absolutely. And then um, in the ways that my family and friends have transformed to support me emotionally, like and for them to have to understand some of what I was going through and also be there as a support for a survivor, like that's justice. And like, that's going to carry on into um, the rest of my family and Mm -hmm. our children. And and so it's like, you have, you have to find ways that, um, that bring you a sense of like calm and peace Mm-hmm. and happiness and I guess that's what justice means to me now is that regardless of what those people did to me like I get to show up every day even stronger and um, stronger than I ever thought that I could be before and I hope that me overcoming that is going to just keep the wave going um, absolutely I think words can be powerful, and when we were assaulted, we lost our power. We lost our, we, we lost our words. We didn't mm-hmm. know how to put into words what happened to us and, and how it affected us. And I think we gain that power back when we do start speaking out, when we do start telling our stories and, and sharing the effects that that incident ha- had happened. And, and what it does to our lives, um, because I don't think that enough people have talked at, talked about that particular part of, mm-hmm. yes, the actual event is horrible and traumatic, but people focus so much on the event that they forget the after effects that stay with us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I told you that I didn't speak out until recently with with all my, you know, after having the bad um, experience with my mom, I just shut my mouth mm-hmm. and never told anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was um, just recently that I started speaking out everywhere and talking to people everywhere and like getting my story out there. Um, so I have, I actually have medical and physical um, problems because I had stuffed all of that in for so long that it, eat you from the inside out um so so I'm like uh, that's one of my biggest things I think is to give people a platform to tell their stories Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't want I don't want people to have to stuff all those feelings and stuff those events because they don't feel like they can talk to anyone and they feel like they're alone or that they'll get blamed and they won't have support I don't want that to happen to anybody else so Um, I think that it's important. And I saw on your website that, um, that you, um, 
you said something about survive and did you switch them survive and victim you use them mm. interchangeably or something um I had wrote that at the very start so I did this survivor series and that was kind of like my first attempt at um putting my voice out there and mm -hmm. at the same time trying to be a support mm -hmm. for others who were maybe thinking about sharing their story and um, I wrote it at a time where honestly I had no idea if I wanted to identify as a survivor or a victim or because I definitely didn't feel like thriving at the time so that was <laughs> off the table. <laughs> well, I think you are now so I think that's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I hated um, I hated both of the labels. I hated the label survivor because it was accepting that I, like, that I had been assaulted and raped. I hated that. Mm -hmm. um, and I hated the thought of being a victim. No one wants to be a, a victim. Nobody wants to be a victim. Like, yeah. mm -mm. So I just kind of put that in there as like a byline, like whatever label you want mm -hmm. that's going to further you in your healing, choose that. If you right. just need to identify like as your name, which is totally like who That's you are, like right, yeah, right, right now I'm just cat. I don't really mm -hmm. want the label survivor victim right now, but mm -hmm. I eventually grew into um, and proudly wearing the label of a survivor. Absolutely, but it took time. Oh, it does. It absolutely does. And I think that we get so caught up in labels sometimes, um, especially here in America. I don't know about mm -hmm. countries, but I know here in America, we get so caught up in, in oh. what is your label, you know? And, oh, yeah. Uh, and my poor son, he, he was diagnosed ADHD um, when he was in junior high, and he rejected, he rejected it. I am mm -hmm. not ADHD, mm -hmm. I'm not, and did not want that label at all. Mm -hmm. And it took, it took me talking and, and anytime that he had an ADHD related incident or, you know, he couldn't concentrate or whatever the case may be, I always turned it around to say, yeah, but because of this, you can do that now. You mm -hmm. do this better than anybody. ADHD is your superpower because of this. And I think, yeah. I think once you, I think that, that for a time we are victims because we, um, we're, we're in that same headspace with everybody else where what did we do wrong and why us? And, and we mm -hmm. stay there for a while. And what, but once we get to that survivor level where, okay, it happened, but it wasn't my fault. And I know it wasn't my fault. I accept that these things happened. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, the survivorship becomes our superpower because we are so good at empathy and we are so mm -hmm. good at recognizing other people and going, I know you've got something going on that you need to talk mm -hmm. about, you know? Um, so I think that, I think that words do have power, but we can change that power if we need to. Um, it may take us a while and it may take several lifetimes for us to get to where <laughs> we should be with all this. Because mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. But I think that, I think some point in the future with the movement that we have going on now with so many survivors finally feeling like they can speak up and be supported, that that word survivor, it, it's going to change in the community's eyes to this is a strong person and what they 
went through was absolutely horrid, but look at them now. Not only did they survive, but they're doing something about it. Um, I can't wait for it to get there, but, uh, but I think that, I, I hope that the world gets there someday like that. Absolutely. I could not have said any of that better myself than that. <laughs> you know that was good stuff because I have goosebumps everywhere. <laughs> and it's like, yes, preach. <laughs> yeah, I think that I, I love how many people I've connected with since I started telling my story. And I think that we are building this net of survivors that have had it and we're done mm -hmm. with the world the way it is and we are going to change it and i think that mm -hmm. it's um it's amazing it's it's amazing what we can do when we finally take our power back so absolutely and that is like the kind of the platform that i am like committed to stay on because mm -hmm. i'm in my power and that's only going to grow and like Absolutely. I didn't choose any of those things that happened to me, but I'm choosing this now. Exactly. So tell me again, your website is? Uh, scatteredcat.com. All right. Perfect. And thank you so very much for joining me. I appreciate it. And Absolutely. so you, you, are you writing books? Or are they all eBooks like on your blog? Um, so I do mostly blog posts. Um, okay. And then just started a podcast. Um, Perfect. And then... And where can people find your podcast? Right now it's only on Podbean, but it will be on all of your other ones like Spotify, mm -hmm. Apple, within a couple weeks, I believe. Perfect. Awesome. So they'll have to check you out. What's the name of your podcast? The Scattered Cat Podcast. Awesome. Okay, so they'll... Yeah!